And that message is for us too, adults. <laughs> um, I want to share something I just found out, you know, just a couple of days ago through my wife, Robin, um, through Wilmore News, our newsletter. And I think it's very significant in terms of just asking the Lord. Um, I got here in 2017. Oddly enough, um, Robin and I worked out at the Loose Center at AU, also where Travis worked out. And me and Travis would pass each other for over a year. Seven o'clock in the morning, we'd pass each other, we'd be in the weight room working out. There's only like five or six people in there the whole entire time. I never said a word to Travis other than hi. That was it. I mean, we never had any conversation, no, no depth or anything. But it was in that moment, like while I was training there, the Lord started really showing me just um, visions of revival. I was seeing like the city just like flooded with people. I was seeing like clouds, you know, parting and like the sun just shining on, you know, this city, not knowing anything about Travis. So then me and Travis met in August of 18, and I started unpacking some of this stuff that I was seeing. Um, and he was like, yes, yes. So back in, in August of 2019, we were in the tabernacle, and I know a lot of y'all remember that. And we had these powerful moments with the Lord, and he was really moving. And um, the first weekend in August was a Sunday morning. Travis did this, really, an altar call. He literally was drawing a line in the sand, and he was asking people to come forward. And I honestly couldn't get down there fast enough. And that literally changed. From that point on, my whole life was just changing. That night, um, I had a crazy encounter with the Lord. Like, I've, I've never had this type of an encounter with the Lord. And it went on for like two and a half hours. And it was, I was telling Laura, like in the middle of the night, it was like 2.30 in the morning, I had to use the restroom. And when I got out of bed, I, I, I couldn't like even gain my balance to go to the restroom. And I come back and I knew something was happening. I knew the Lord was in the midst of it as I was praying and yearning for the more of God. And the Lord just started moving in my body like I had never felt before. And he started showing me visions and pictures. And this one picture, one of the things he did is we had our blinds were open in our, in our master bedroom. I'm laying in my bed, and the Lord was moving through my body, like basically taking over as I was giving him permission my whole entire body. He was turning my head, opening my hand, opening my hands. He was pointing to things. When this one significant time in the middle of this encounter I was having with the Lord, he took my finger and he pointed to the water tower in Wilmore. And then he came back and he did this, and I'm laying on the, I lay on the right side of the bed, so the floor is down here, Robin's on my left side, and he did this, and then he did this. And I was like, Lord, what are you, what are you saying? Um... There was so much that came out of that week. It was the craziest week of my life. I haven't been the same since for good. And that next day, I was in my office, and the Lord asked me to get up and to encircle in prayer to just go out in the middle of the day and walk around Asbury Seminary's campus, the whole entire campus. So I start my journey, and I'm just, I'd never been caught up in the intimacy like I was being caught up at this moment. 
and I saw this car pull over on Lexington Avenue, and I saw uh, a cup, and the cup was on the ground, and I thought the guy was pulling over to go pick his cup up. I thought he dropped it or something. So I just go and grab the cup, and I go over to the driver's side door. I'm out in the middle of Lexington Avenue, and he's like, no, 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 I'm on the phone. I was like, oh. So I, I grab the cup, I start walking again and just praying, and I'm like, Lord, what is this? And, he, and it, was a, it was a silver cup, and it was clean on the outside, but on the inside, it was dark, like it had, been, had coffee stains and all that. And I was like, Lord, what are you saying? And he was saying, I'm going to not only clean the outside of the cup, I'm going to clean the inside of the cup, and then I'm going to pour out my spirit over this city. And it was a Yeti cup, and he says, yet I will do this very thing. Why is that significant? As y'all know, if you haven't seen, there's two water towers in Wilmore, and they just sandblasted the one water tower, and they just painted it, and it looks beautiful, and they're going to paint Wilmore across it. So me and Robin are driving down the road, and she goes, yeah, they're getting ready to do the one with the cross on it, the very one that the Lord pointed to that in the middle of the night. And she goes, yeah, but interesting enough, they have to drain it, drain the inside of what's in the inside, because they want to clean the inside of it first before they paint the outside of it. That was in August of 2019 the Lord showed me that. So all I'm saying is we've been asking, we've been tarrying, we've been calling on the Lord, we've been travailing in prayer, even doing all-night prayer walks and laying our hands on every single chapel. We've been in Estes Chapel praying. We've been in here praying. It's just been continual, just praying, 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 praying. And I believe the Lord is faithful, as Megan was, was singing. I do believe that there's going to be a revival in this city. And like Travis said last week, if it's 30 years from now, it's 30 years from now. If it's tomorrow, it's tomorrow. So I just think it's quite interesting that 2019, the Lord did that, and I know it was fully Him, and that yet in the natural, this very thing is happening. So I just had such, when Robin said that, I mean, I went and journaled it the next morning. I just had such, it was almost like a, an assurance of, yes, he is going to do this thing. And it's going to be beautiful in his eyes. Now, what it looks like, how it comes through, I, don't, I really don't care. I don't care if it comes through our children. I don't care if it comes through dwelling ministries. But all I know is that it can't stay here. It has to push us out of our, our own comforts, our own norms, our own selves. So I just felt like I needed to share that with y'all. Uh, probably because when it happens, I'm going to say, see, I, I told you. He's faithful. And that's what prophecy is. So it has nothing to do with us, but it has everything to do with him and us cooperating and participating with him through his spirit so that our will, our minds, our hearts are fully in line with him, so that when he does pour, we're just stewards of that, and we just, we go with his flow. So, yeah. Um, I was feeling this this morning, and I, I feel like we should pray for Sue, but I don't feel like it's me that's supposed to pray for Sue. Now, if you don't know, Sue's on a completely different time zone. Sue is pouring her heart out 
I would say that Sue's in her element because the Spirit has her in in, in his element. Um, And Sue is probably sleeping right now, isn't she? So I would say somebody other than Chris, I would like to call forward, and I would like for you to pray over Sue. Lord, we just lift up Sue right now. Um, Give her rest right now. I thank you for your infilling of your spirit in her life and her giftings that you've given to her, that she's able to have this opportunity to pour out over there amongst her people and amongst friends and family and and everybody that she's around, her her ministry and her uh, church body too from back that back in Kenya Lord just bless her and everything that um, everything that she has to say from you Lord let it be said let her not come home thinking that she should have done one more thing Lord that she will feel a sense of completion after this trip that she had done everything that you had asked her to do Lord thank you so much for her testimony, and for what stories and amazing things she's going to have to share when she gets back, Lord. Um, We anticipate hearing all of those neat stories that help build up our faith, Lord, in what you're doing in the world, um, because you're at work everywhere, Lord. (laughs) Thank you, Lord Jesus, for using Sue, and protect her, too, and whoever is with her on her team, Lord, just give them protection, Set up, set up meetings and set up things ahead of her, Lord, so she can just walk in and it's easy, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Does anybody have anything to share? Yes. Did y'all hear that? Chris said to pray for Sue and her flight home um, because they're getting pretty strict, I would assume, with just the pandemic over there. So, Father, we just, Lord, we thank you for the way that you're paving um, just what you're doing in and through uh, Sue, Lord. And I, you brought her there, Lord, and Lord, you will be faithful to bring her back, Lord. So, Lord, we just ask that um, you would even clear any checks that are uh, going to try to hinder Sue's returning, Lord. Um, I ask that doors would be open wide, Lord, and we just step into your assurance, knowing uh, that when she comes back here safely, Lord, that there's something that she has to deposit to us, Lord. I even pray that there would be an, even an, an igniting in Sue while she's over there, that there would be even a deposit that she brings back to us, Lord. And I pray that any plans of the enemy of trying to keep her there from that happening, that it would cease in the name of Jesus. Amen. Does anybody else have anything?
Well, without further ado, um, I feel like introducing Trenton in this manner. You know, you know, like from a worldly standpoint, we always do something or we have some credentials behind our name. And it's like, now, it's Trenton. I don't even know what it is. He's got two master's degree. What would it be? So it would be, it'd be two master's degree. If it'd be intercultural studies, and then whatever that looks like, it, and it would be um, biblical studies, and it would say Asbury Theological Seminary. That's technically behind Trenton's name, because he's, he's graduated, he's done the work, he's earned the credentials. Um, but I don't want to call Trenton by that. I want to call Trenton by the way the Lord calls Trenton, which is how we see in Scripture in, the, in, in Acts. This is Trenton filled with the Holy Spirit. That's his credentials. So Trenton filled with the Holy Spirit, would you come? Mark, <laughs> is it really? You didn't know anything. I don't know if I believe you. So uh, what's tomorrow? Okay, I, I'm getting ahead of myself. I do have an announcement. We're not going to England. We, we canceled our trip because we're not, we didn't, we're not, we're not ready. We're not in a place where that would have actually been good for us. Um, spiritually, emotionally, physically, we're tired. And, uh, and there's, it would have been a pretty intense trip. We didn't realize when we first planned it how intense of a schedule they'd have us on um, and other things. And so we're not, uh, we canceled it. So just so y'all are in the loop. Um, and it gives us uh, opportunity to work on more important things and stuff. What's tomorrow? Pentecost. Well, I'm speaking, I'm going to do a Pentecost sermon so that you, like, introduce me as Trenton filled with the Holy Spirit, just kind of like, well, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> and, and I wrote in my journal, is it okay to, like, speak on the filling of the Holy Spirit when you're empty? And it's like, I'll just preach to myself, I guess. <laughs> um... Joseph, could you come up and tell us what Pentecost is? But not as great as having people who are filled with the Spirit in the house. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> we need all kinds. Uh, uh, in Hebrew, in Jewish circles, Tomorrow is called Shavuot. It's a Hebrew word that means weeks, as in seven-day periods. Because if you were here when Trenton and I shared at Passover, Easter, we mentioned God said from the beginning, he said his 
his uh, heavenly bodies at, to mark appointed times. One of those appointed times is tomorrow. It's Shavuot. It's a feast of weeks. It uh, was a and is a first fruits festival. And so in the, the Sunday after Easter, well, or Easter itself, actually, sorry, the Sunday after Passover, which would be Easter, uh, that was the first fruits of the barley harvest. Remember I said they brought a sheaf, okay? Then you count seven weeks, and the day after that is the Sunday, which is Pentecost Sunday, Shavuot. And this time it's wheat, but you don't bring a sheaf of wheat. You bake two loaves, and you bring two loaves to the priest, and he waves them. So uh, it's an interesting holiday because it is, uh, even in the Jewish world, it's less, people are less aware of it, less kind of thoughtful of it than the other holidays, but there's a lot to it. And uh, one of the things about it is that after the temple was destroyed in the first century, well, one of the... At the, at the Feast of Shavuot, as well as the rest of the feast, there are prescribed sacrifices that were done in the temple. In this case, it's in Leviticus 23. There's a whole list of them, seven lambs, I think a couple of rams, and I don't remember. There's a bunch of them. And uh, after the temple was destroyed in rabbinic Judaism, there was a shift to, because the temple was gone, more of a focus on study of Torah and prayer. And one of the things the rabbis noticed is that in, in Exodus 19, when the people of Israel come to Mount Sinai, it says on the third new moon, the third month after they had come out of Egypt, they came to Sinai. And that's the same month that Pentecost or Shavuot occurs in. And they felt that there was, that was meaningful. And I think they were right. And so you have this account of the glory of God coming on the mountain on Sinai, uh, the, fire, the, the fire on the mountain, and the people are led by a pillar of fire, the word of the Lord being given, the Torah being given. And uh, there's more to it, but that's the, the two key elements. And, the, and also, it were to add a third, the, it was really the birth of Israel as as God's people, as his treasured people, which is that term is in Exodus 19. And, and so these are appointed times. It's, a, it's one of three pilgrimage festivals in which uh, Jewish Jews were uh, invited, called, instructed to come to Jerusalem for the celebration of this festival. And it's, it's an appointment. So as Trenton is going to discuss, one of the things that happened on that appointment when Jews from all over the Roman Empire at that time and beyond came to Jerusalem for this appointment, Acts 2 happens, where God pours out his Holy Spirit 40 or 50, day, 50 days, of course, after Jesus' resurrection. The Holy Spirit is poured out. You have tongues of fire, and you have the word proclaimed in all the languages of the known world. So again, like Sinai, you have the visible presence of God's spirit in the form of fire and wind, and you have the proclamation of the word. So that's, that's a, a short little synopsis. Welcome. I'm going to pray right now because I didn't yet. God, I thank you so much for giving us your Holy Spirit 
who lives inside of us and helps us. And Lord, I just ask that you would help us right now to receive what you have for us. And uh, because you're a good father and you love to give good gifts to your children. And, uh, and you do not withhold good from those who walk uprightly, from those who are called according to your name. And, and so we just we come as humble children asking for the Holy Spirit to fill us, that we would be full of you, that we would be strengthened and equipped to obey your commands. And I pray you'd be with me now as I speak. Um, we bless you, Jesus. Amen. Uh, when I was 18, I had uh, a special encounter with the Lord. I was at youth group, and we were doing this kind of concert of praise event thing where we'd sing a praise and worship song, and then we'd pray about some concern, some issue, local, international, whatever. Then we'd sing a song and pray. And the whole time, my cousin was goofing off, and it was just like so immature and was like really bothering me and I was just getting like really annoyed I was just like just feeling like like come on like where's the fear of the Lord and uh and this was radical for me at the time but I like stood up during the singing everyone was sitting I like stood up it was just like this bold declaration of like I I want to worship Jesus and uh and the Lord spoke into my mind and said I am God worship me with your life and just, I just felt this resounding yes. And, uh, and that moment marked me. And I changed. And I had people, like classmates, like over the coming weeks and months, be like, Trenton, who's the girl? Because I was just so full of joy and I was just like so alive. And like, there has to be a girlfriend. Like, what's going on? And I was like, no, it's Jesus. And it was... Uh, I don't know how long after, probably years, that I was reading a, a famous preacher named Martin Lloyd-Jones, and he, defi- he defined baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he said baptism of the Holy Spirit is when you have a, an encounter with God where you receive a revelation of his glory and majesty in a way that you haven't before, and it leaves you different, changed from how you were. And I was like, oh my goodness, that's exactly what I experienced. So based on Martin Lloyd-Jones' ex- definition, I had a baptism of the Holy Spirit experience. I didn't fall over. I didn't start praying in tongues. There was no external manifestation. The youth leader probably had one of the more discouraging nights of his ministry time because of my cousin and didn't know that God was changing my life. But that's what happened. And... Uh, and so I share that just to kind of uh, broaden our perspective a little bit about the Holy Spirit, that, there are, that God is mysterious. And it's entirely possible that some of us in this room have had baptisms of the Holy Spirit without even knowing it. So I'm going to uh, talk about the Holy Spirit and the filling of the Holy Spirit 
and how we need strength to overcome fear. <laughs> Michael. <laughs> um, so, John 14. Wait, I was going to share something else. Oh, yeah. One thing that I noticed about the Feast of Weeks when I was doing some studying for this is that it was God's instructions in Leviticus 23, which Joseph mentioned, and also in Deuteronomy 16, and I think also in well, a couple other places. It was in the context of God was saying, when you enter the promised land, do this. Celebrate this feast, this festival. And so it's connected. It's, a, it's connected to the promises of God and receiving God's promises. That This, this celebration is particular to God's promises and receiving those. And so in that sense, it's very fitting, as some of the passages we'll read will say, it's very fitting that the promise of the Holy Spirit was given at Pentecost. John 14. Oh, can I have some volunteers? Can I have four volunteers to read? One, okay. Matthew 28, 16, 17. Um, Luke, I'll give you Mark 9 to 15. Mark 16, 9 to 15. Did you raise your hand? Um, Luke 24, 36 to 49. And, and then, Krista, you can do John 20, 19 to 25. And once you're ready, in that order I, I just gave them, go ahead. You know, I do 16 to 20. Yeah, go ahead. So three points there. The disciples doubted. They were weak. Jesus gave them a command anyways and then promised to be with them. Okay, go ahead. Um, now when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had passed out seven demons. She went and told those who had been as they mourned unbelief. Is anyone feeling in like company yet? I am. I'm feeling in very like company with the disciples there. 
and, and yet still they were given a command to go and preach the gospel. Go ahead. Luke 24, verse 49. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled? And why does doubt rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see a ghost does not have flesh and bones, as, I, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet, and while they still did not believe, did still not believe because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written, that Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city, seeing that they clothed with power from on high. Yeah, so they are weak and they doubt and they're timid and they're afraid and he gives them commands to obey and promises power from on high um, also the word witnesses is an important word that they're, they're, they were instructed to be witnesses to testify to what they had seen pardon? 25, chapter 20, 19 to 25. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. I feel in, in very good company. Because I'm so weak, and uh, and so are the disciples. A lot of times we um, give the disciples a bad rap, um, but and I'm just like that. And and yet, God has a solution. One of the things I say all the time, Rachel can affirm this. She might not, well, not, but I think she would. I need Jesus. I say that all the time. It's like, oh, Jesus, I need you. And as I was preparing for this, is like, is Jesus was like, have you heard of the Holy Spirit? <laughs> like, I have a solution. <laughs> you keep saying you need me. You have me, Trenton. 
and I, I give the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so I was like, I need the Holy Spirit. I need, I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, I'm, I'm in John 14. I'm going to kind of quickly, I'm just going to continue kind of just go over a couple passages and then move on. And John, so I apologize if I move too quickly, but I'm, you can tell me to slow down if you need. Um, John 14, I'm going to read 15 to 17, where Jesus is, uh, the context here is Jesus, it's the Last Supper. Jesus is giving the most important points to his disciples before he leaves them before he's crucified the next day. And here he tells them, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So again, a command to obey if we love Jesus, we're going to keep his commandments. And even though we can't, the helper will help us. And we're going to, we know him because he dwells with us and in us. I'm going to go to John 15. So I'm going to read 26, but in the passage from 18 to 25 is Jesus basically like prepping his disciples. Hey guys, everyone's going to hate you. They hated me, they're going to hate you. They persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. And, and then he says, but, verse 26, when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. So the Holy Spirit bears witness about Jesus. And that, by the way, is a, a helpful indicator for genuine Holy Spirit activity. That sometimes we can be in a situation where we are being told, things are being presented a certain way, this is the Holy Spirit, this is what the Holy Spirit does, this is who the Holy Spirit is, is like, etc. But sometimes we're not, like, we're trying to figure out, like, I don't know, this seems a bit off, or I don't know, maybe I'm just, like, dull. The Holy Spirit bears witness about Jesus. And so if, you know, I'll just, I'm going to leave it there. The Holy Spirit, it's what he does, he bears witness about Jesus. He exalts Jesus. Verse 27, and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. So the Holy Spirit bears witness about Jesus and we bear witness about Jesus. Now we haven't been with Jesus from the beginning, but going to verse, uh, chapter 16, I'm just going to start at verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. 
concerning sin because they do not believe in me, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer, concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The whole, Jesus, was, Jesus is gentle, and the Holy Spirit is gentle. Jesus is kind, the Holy Spirit is kind. Um, Jesus is fierce, and the Holy Spirit is fierce. Jesus takes care of us, the Holy Spirit takes care of us. Uh, when it says that he convicts the world concerning sin because they don't believe in him. So if someone doesn't believe in Jesus, they need to experience a conviction and a remorse for their sinfulness. That will help them to recognize their need for Jesus. So that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit brings conviction of sin so that we understand our need for Jesus. The Holy Spirit also brings conviction about righteousness because we can't follow Jesus' example anymore. He's not right in front of us like he was with the disciples. So we need the Holy Spirit to understand what Jesus is like and what righteousness is like. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He helps us to live a righteous life. He convicts us, helps us to understand what righteousness is, what it looks like. He also brings conviction about judgment because the ruler of this world is judged It's, uh, I can't remember exactly what I was going to share on that point, but it is good for us to know uh, which side is going to win and whose side is winning. And that it's very good and important for us to know what all of us will face at the end of the world, that we will stand before the judge and he will declare us right or wrong based on our relationship with him. Okay, now let's go to Acts. Go to chapter 1. Verse 4. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. The Holy Spirit is, was promised. And he is the promise of the Father. Which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Um, if I don't 
say more about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, someone just interrupt me and be like, hey, you said you'd say more about that. But I'm not going to say it now. But I want to say something about the baptism of the Holy Spirit more yet than I have. So, continuing here, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. I, just, I can't help but say the disciples weren't actually as stupid as we often think they were with that question. A lot of times it's presented as the disciples were dumb. Why would they ask a completely irrelevant question? Like, weren't they with Jesus? Didn't they understand that it's not about the kingdom of Israel anymore? It's actually about the church. And I would submit to you that, no, the disciples understood it better than we do. It says earlier that Jesus was teaching them for 40 days about these things. Speaking about the kingdom of God. They, they had the best teacher. They understood. Anyway, that's a total aside, but they had the best teacher teaching them for 40 days, and so they asked this question, and Jesus doesn't correct them. He just says, says you're not allowed to know. You're not allowed to know the answer to that yet. Okay, that's an aside. Uh, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And then the next few verses, um, they, they witness Jesus go up into the sky, and the angel says, what are you, why are you just watching him? He's going to come back in the same way. So what we know is that we're, in the, we're currently living in this interim period where Jesus is not here presently. He's going to come back. He was, and he is not, and he's going to be. And during that interim period, we have the Holy Spirit, the promised Holy Spirit, who is with us and fills us, lives inside of us, and gives us power, who comforts us and encourages us, etc. And so that's what, the, what we're living. That's where we're living. That's, and so this is the part that's really convicting for me is... I need help. And, wait, I have a helper. And, and I can just go to my good father and just ask, like, okay, Lord, I'm so weak. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit. And he's good and he gives us what we ask for. And so it's so convicting for me. is like, why... Uh, can I be so content to just be so weak? And there's, a, there's a, a balance here. There's a balance of embracing our weakness and not being uh, content to just stay in that because as I'll, I'm just going to keep going here and we'll see what, what does a life full of the Spirit look like? So we read about the weak disciples and so they're filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to read. Oh, yeah, I am. I am. I'm going to read that right now. Okay, chapter 2, starting in verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. 
And then the fruit of that is Peter, verse 14, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. The timid guy, remember that guy who was like lying to servant girls? Yeah, he stood up in front of a crowd of all these people and starts boldly... They were about hiding behind locked doors not that long ago. They are like afraid of the Jews. And now there's more Jews in Jerusalem than any other day of the, of the calendar of the year. The population like was multiplied by five or so. And he stands up in front of the crowd and is boldly proclaiming the gospel. It wasn't because of who Peter was. Trenton can't work that up. No, it's just the Holy Spirit. It's simply the Holy Spirit. In uh, verse 33 of his sermon, talking about Jesus, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. There's way more like signs and evidences and prophecies. I'm, I'm totally skipping so much here. I'm just emphasizing that the Holy Spirit was evident and that Peter had to actually explain to the crowd what they were witnessing. Uh, verse 36, Let all the house of Israel therefore not know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Um... There is, there is a teaching in some uh, segments of the body of Christ that unless you have experienced a baptism of the Holy Spirit experience that is demonstrated through uh, observable manifestations, especially and necessarily the uh, speaking in tongues, that you do not have the Holy Spirit. And I just want to just... Let it be clear, the word of the Bible and what I just read strongly disagrees with that. That it's for every, the Holy Spirit, every believer has the Holy Spirit. Every believer has the Holy Spirit. Now what's tricky, is, is tricky, is that what then is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? It does every believer when they give their life to Jesus or when they're baptized, water baptism at that moment, um, when, when and what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Does every believer have the baptism of the Holy Spirit or is the baptism of the Holy Spirit a subsequent event? And in answer to the, is it this or is it that, my best answer is yes. It's it's messy. And so in, uh, in Acts chapter 8, I was going to read it, but I'm running out of time, so I'm just going to stop reading everything. Um, uh, Philip goes to the Samaritans, and 
and through signs and wonders preaches them, they all repent and they believe and they get baptized. And it says that the church, when they heard about it, sent uh, Peter and John because they had not yet received the Holy Spirit. I, I don't, okay. And then, and then they received the Holy Spirit, but only by the laying on of hands. So then, reading that, some would be inclined to teach and believe and practice that the Holy Spirit is only ever given through the laying on of hands. But then later when Peter goes to Cornelius' house, he's preaching to the Gentiles, and it's while he's in the middle of a sermon that they start breaking out in tongues and other things. Who knows what was all happening, but it was obvious and clear enough to Peter that, oh, they've they've received the Holy Spirit. And he, did, he had no, he wasn't trying to do anything. He was just trying to explain the gospel to them. He was. He was explaining the gospel to them. And so we see that if you try to put a box on the Holy Spirit, well, your box is broken. It doesn't work. There, there, are, there are parameters. The Holy Spirit honors Jesus. That's a parameter. So there are, there are things the Holy Spirit is kind and loving. Here's another one. The Holy Spirit doesn't manipulate us. And so if you're in a setting where the Holy Spirit is present and the Holy Spirit starts manipulating you, that's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't manipulate us. Jesus is kind. And... Uh, Here's another, another one. The Holy Spirit's not impressed with us. <laughs> we can't actually, we can't actually like fast enough days of the year. We can't memorize enough scripture. We can't, whatever, heal, raise enough people from the dead to impress him. We can't actually like impress him. And so here's my, here's my exhortation. Stop trying to impress God Stop trying to impress one another. Your value as a human being is not based upon how many dead people you raise. From. It's not based upon how much scripture you memorize. It's not based upon whether you went forward for the altar call or not. You are loved and delighted and, and cherished, and you don't have to try and jump through hoops and do all this behavior to have the Lord's pleasure on you. The Holy Spirit loves you. He's not impressed with you, but he loves you, and you can't impress him, and you don't have to try to. And he's not going to manipulate you to try and get you to try and impress him. Okay, so we're going to we're going to we're going to have a little prayer meeting. We'll see, I, 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 I think so. Basically, you can't put a box on it. And you have someone define it this way. And based on a, a certain scripture, they're correct. But it won't fit this other scripture. And, if, and so some people say baptism of the Holy Spirit is always a second experience of, of grace. Um, and other people say, no, every believer has a baptism of the Holy Spirit. And they're both correct it, it, within my theology. Now, some people deny that there's ever a second work of grace. But 
And some people say there's, there's only a second work of grace and never more than that. But Paul told the Ephesians, be filled with the Holy Spirit in it. And the Greek verb allows it to be, it's a regular thing. We're supposed to regularly be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a command. So in a sense, we leak. We're leaky. And we need to regular in fillings. We need to regularly allow and ask for and position ourselves to receive from the Lord to be filled up. And so, I'm going to exhort you, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ask, ask our Father for more of the Spirit. And when you feel like so weak, and when there's this like command, go and make disciples of all nations, and we're like scared to ask a stranger what time it is, that's like just great opportunities. Like, Lord, fill me with your spirit. And maybe I can just like compliment a stranger's shirt. And that's a victory. And then you know, as you walk, walk that out and continue to take little steps of obedience, you're making disciples and you, you don't even know what happened. And all of a sudden, it's, oh, and Peter is preaching to thousands of people with boldness. So... Be filled with the Holy Spirit. So we're going to pray. We're going to have a little prayer meeting. Whoever wants to pray, it's going to be a prayer meeting slash altar call, but it's not an altar call where you have to come forward or demonstrate any response of any sort to anyone around you. It's just like a, I call it an altar call as a way for you to mentally frame of mind, just be like, let's go to God and just ask Him. If you're feeling a need, like I do all the time, for a filling of the Holy Spirit, let's just ask. And, uh, and if you would love to pray out loud, then pray out loud. So we're just going to have a little time for a moment. And, and at a certain point, I guess, me or Davey will shut it down, I guess. So I'm going to start, and then I'll just be quiet. And I'll let whatever happens happen. If no one, else, if no one prays out loud, that's perfectly fine. Lord, we, we love you and we need you. And you have given us the helper who helps us. And so, Lord, we just, we just ask. I'm sure at least one person in the room resonates with, with feeling needy and, and afraid and having, struggling with unbelief. And, uh, and so I just pray for us. Lord, fill us. We need you. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to obey you. Jesus, you gave us commands, and, and in our own strength, we can't. But w with your help, we can. And I just pray that you would do a transforming work in us, whether it's a quiet work that no one else sees, like for me when I was 18, and, or, uh, or if it's whatever you want to do, Lord, I just pray you'd, that right now in this moment and in the coming days, weeks, months, years, decades, centuries, millennia, that you would just do a mighty work in us, I pray, O oh Lord. I just, uh, I want to share a kind of like a word picture that I was kind of imagining in my mind earlier. Um, so this is, so this is kind of like a word picture for how I experienced 2020. <clears throat> I was like in a motorboat on 
the river of the Spirit, and I was just cruising, like so much, coming into 2020 with so much anticipation and excitement. And uh, at a certain point, and it may have been a slow process, so the word picture fails at many points, but um, at a certain point, I'm like going up the bank. The river turned, and I'm like going up the bank in my full throttle motorboat, and I'm like, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. And my boat's just falling apart. And I just got this on full throttle. I'm going to make it. And then I like stop and I'm like stuck and going nowhere. And I don't even know where the river is anymore. And uh, it's like, what happened? And that's kind of what 2020 was like for me. Where it's like something went sideways. I thought I was following, but like I don't know that I was. And, uh, and, and, uh, and then there were different events, revivals, whatever, where it's kind of like Buddy pulls up in a flashy pickup truck, and he's like, here, I'll tow you along, and hook, hooks me up and guns it, and we're, we're like, where's the river? And the boat's falling apart even more, and it's just like, wow, this is a crazy ride. And, and, and it's like, well, I, I don't know which is more accurate once I'm kind of like finally just kind of picking stuff up is like, do I hike back or do I pray for the river to rise? And uh, I don't know. I don't know, but I want, I want the river to rise, but at the same time, I think I've, I need to do some like hiking back. Um, and, and there are some things about that word picture and the way I describe it that are, I'm not settled with. I'm not comfortable that, that's necess- that I'm necessarily seeing things healthily, I'll be honest. But that's just me being vulnerable. And uh, <laughs> I need the Holy Spirit. <laughs> There's a lot of truth, of course, of what Trenton just said. Um, And I want to encourage you to cooperate with Jesus. We have to choose holiness. We don't just become holy on our own strength. But we have to, as Laura said, and as Sue said multiple times, we have to position ourselves in a mirror to receive. And there's things the Lord's going to ask us to do that we have to obey out of love. And he's faithful and he will pour, he will give. As a prime example of this past week, me and Emma started throwing a baseball a lot because we're doing it. And you, you need to come. We have baseball camp. Callous kids baseball camp. What is this? He, it is. Can he read it? Can, can you speak into here? What did you tell me about that? What's it mean when he has his hands up? I don't know. What did you tell me, though? I don't know. He was back there saying, I wish I could go to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, when he had, it's a picture of Jesus in the <laughs> And uh, he says, so, when, he ha- when someone has their hands up, yeah. it means they're going to heaven. 
Yeah. <laughs> okay, give him the microphone back. What comes down must go up, just to come back down again, <laughs> and to take us with them. Um, thank you. I totally forgot what I was gonna, what I was saying, and that's fine. Oh, so we had baseball camp. Yeah, we had baseball camp for Callis kids. So we had 19 kids come out yesterday. So me and Emma were, we've been throwing a lot and we do like this, we go through innings where we pitch and you know, we just call balls and strikes. But my glove was, was fairly stiff. You know, it was my infielder's glove that I played with in high school ball. So I asked, I was looking for oil and I, granddad found some oil for our, our saddles and we lived at the farm. And I oiled my glove, and it was like, oh, man, like, I don't even have to work that hard to, like, squeeze it. Um, whereas before, I mean, I was dropping some balls, you know, stuff I would normally catch. But it's, you know, there's, there's a part for us to play. We have to sometimes oil our gloves in order to receive what the Lord is doing, just to give it away. So just because if you didn't pray aloud or you didn't pray at all, does it mean that you can't go home tonight, you can't tomorrow morning and ask for the filling of the Holy Spirit? He wants you to ask, and I encourage you to keep asking until you have it, and when you have it, keep on asking more. I think Peter was filled four times in the book of Acts. We don't know how many times he was filled from then on. It's because he was continually asking for the gift of the Holy Spirit, because he knew what it was. He knew the power of God, the power of the resurrection living within him. So thank you, Trenton, for just your vulnerability, and I do still say, Trenton, filled with the Holy Spirit. And you will be filled and filled and filled and filled again. So, I just encourage you to ask. And I also encourage you to, also from my own experience, Ask him what is hindering you from receiving the fullness of his spirit. And I say, go with him wherever he takes you. If it's the childhood memories, go with him. If it's calling somebody up to ask for forgiveness, do it. If it's writing a check to somebody for $1,000, do it. It's because he wants you holy, and his spirit can't fill a vessel that's not holy. So, blessings to you all, grace and peace, and I would ask if we can get some help kind of cleaning up this sanctuary. It's, it's such an honor to have a place of AC to come in. We could be out in the kids' tabernacle sweating like crazy, um, but we have this place, and Rhonda and, and Dale have been so generous with us, so if we can, just kind of pick up any trash, even if it's trash that it's not ours. Let's pick it up. Let's leave it um, better than what we found it. So I bless you all, grace and peace, and may the Holy Spirit fill you completely. In Jesus' name, amen.